every person has a desire for community. Today on Daily in the Word, Dr. Paul Chappell explains how you can cultivate meaningful relationships with the people around you. There's a couple hundred ladies working in the nursery and, and there's ushers that are helping and there's folks that are doing their part and singers that are singing and all of us are working together. Why? So that the gospel could be advanced. And when churches do not function according to the Word of God and there is disunity, then I'll tell you what will happen. America will go to hell in a handbasket because churches are not functioning the way they should function. God has designed us to be relational beings who desire true friendship. But in today's society, people seem to be moving farther and farther apart from personal connections. So how can we bridge the gap? Stay with us to find the answer from God's Word. Welcome to Daily in the Word. This program features the teaching and preaching of Dr. Paul Chapel, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. In our series, One Another, we will discover peaceful truths from the New Testament and learn about God's divine plan for cultivating healthy, godly relationships. And now, here's Dr. Paul Chapel with part two of a message called, Members One of Another. That every good and perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is the giver of every wonderful gift. So there's a warning, and, and, and that's where we're going to start this whole series. Because whenever we get filled up with ourselves, well, I, I've done this, or I've been there, or I know this, sooner or later, the one another begins to strain and begins to tear. Now let's notice, secondly, the wonder of the believers. God says, I have a wonderful plan. It's beautiful. It's called the body of Christ, the local church. And God says, it, it really should function in a particular way. And we see that in verse 4. The Bible says, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ. And every member uh, uh, one uh, and everyone members one of another. Now here we see the unity of the body. Even as our body is uniquely and wonderfully made, God has a plan for the local church, and His plan is that the church functions well. And let me tell you something this morning: God is not as interested in the size of this church as He is in the health of this church. You see, my main concern is not the breadth of this ministry. It is the depth of this ministry. It is the health of this ministry. It is that we are functioning properly. So notice what he says in verse 4. We have many members in one body. We see that there are many members. The word there is a Greek word, melos. It means a limb or a part of the body. There's lots of parts of the body. By the way, sometimes people say, well, I, I come from a rougher background. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. You know, I, I, I don't, I've got some issues or whatever. So therefore, I'm not as important as the other people in this church. Let me just say again. That is a lie from the devil. The Lord adds to the church such as should be added, and there is no unimportant part of the body. And if you don't believe that, go home, take off your shoes, get a hammer, and bang your baby toe with that hammer. And you'll find your baby toe is a very important part of your body. Everyone that is a member of Lancaster Baptist Church is an important part of this body. God is very clear that he adds to the body and that everyone has a, a particular function. Notice that in verse 4. It says, and all members have not the same office. That means function or business. 
So then Jesus is the head of the body and and that he is to be preeminent in all things in the body. But I want you to look in your notes there at 1 Corinthians 12, 14. And I want you to see what it says. It says, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where where were the hearing? And if if the whole were the hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Now let's just pause there. God hath set the members as it hath pleased him. You say, well, you know, there's some people in our church that bug me. There's some people in my family that bug me. Wait a minute. He says, I have set in the body who pleases me. Now, can I tell you something? The gospel light attracts a lot of strange bugs. Some of you will get that tomorrow. And there might be someone that, you know, you don't function as well with, you don't understand, but God has put them here for a reason, right? that we might express grace, that we might learn to work together. It's he, it's he according to that which has pleased him. And so the Bible says in verse 20, there are many members, yet one body. Neil Armstrong years ago was talking about his famous moonwalk. And as he talked about his walk on the moon, he said in an interview these words, he says, as I stepped on the moon, I was aware that this was a culmination of the work of 300, maybe 400,000 people over a decade. And he and Jim Lovell were able to say that their favorite part of walking on the moon was knowing that they were a part of a great team effort. And that's how the body works. While I'm preaching here this morning, there's a couple hundred ladies working in the nursery and, and there's ushers that are helping and there's folks that are doing their part and singers that are singing. And all of us are working together. Why? so that the gospel could be advanced. And when churches do not function according to the word of God and there is disunity, then I'll tell you what will happen. America will go to hell in a handbasket because churches are not functioning the way they should function. The devil doesn't want the church to function. God is saying, I have a design and I want you to follow that design. The uniqueness of every member then is seen. The uniqueness of every member. But notice, secondly, the unity of the whole body. There's to be unity in the whole body. Verse 5, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. You see, our relationship in the body, we're all individuals. And God says, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. God says the world should look at the church, and they should see the love in the church. They should see the way the church functions, and they should recognize by our love, there's something different there. This isn't Lockheed. Uh, this isn't the police station. This isn't the hospital. This isn't Northrop. This is the church of the living God, and the unity of function, and the love of function should be a testimony to the presence of God. So our relationship in the body, we're individuals, but we all have a responsibility to this body. Look what it says in Ephesians 4 and verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We're going to learn how to do that in our homes. How do you have unity in a home? How do you have unity in a church? God says, I want you to make that your mission. I want you to go and make things right when there's Matthew 18 needs to be practiced. I want you to dwell together in unity. Internationally renowned surgeon by the name of Dr. Paul Brand once wrote about the body, comparing it to the body of Christ. 
And Dr. Brand said, the body of Christ, like our own bodies, is composed of individual unlike cells that are knit together to form one body. The joy of the body increases as individual cells realize they can be diverse without becoming isolated outposts. There are also, he said, rebellious cells in the body of Christ. Some are benign in that they do not destroy the church. They simply gorge themselves on blessings and benefits at the expense of the rest of the body. They become fatter and fatter, always taking seldom giving. The church also has cells that are mutinous to the point of destruction. These malignant members hurt the rest of the body. And I can tell you that the one word I hate to hear whenever I get phone calls from members of our church and they're going to tell me something about their life, the one word I hate to hear is the word cancer. There's something about that word. It brings, it brings a grip to me and a, like, a, like a fear. And I try to come back in faith. I hate that word. Every day this week, I talk to someone in our church who's dealing with malignancy. But sometimes into a spiritual body, there can come malignant cells. The devil's been working there, and there's questioning, questioning, floundering, floundering. Bringing in to the church that which God did not design. Not deferring to the Word of God or even the under-shepherd, but just saying, I read this on Vimeo or I saw this on Facebook and that's just the way it's going to be. And soon, instead of unity, there's disunity. Because instead of following the Word of God and an under-shepherd, we seek many shepherds in Washington, Florida, Australia, because we want to find somebody that fits what we want to hear. But God says, that's not going to help the body. If your body is going to function you're going to stay in the Word of God and in unity with the body. Otherwise, malignancy, cancer will come, and sickness will come. And we see that happen often. You see, every member here has the potential to hurt or help. Every member here has the potential to be a blessing or a burden. And God wants every one of us working together so that the gospel can be sent to a lost and dying world. Years ago, after World War II, there was a church in England that had been bombed. It was a tragedy, and many scenes like this unfolded. In fact, there are some places, uh, like in Munich, Germany, where entire churches that are bombed out have just been left so that the generations to come could see the ravages of war. Well, there were a group of German teenagers that came to England, and not far from Southampton where this church was located to repair this church. And as the work progressed, they were doing their best, but there was this one statue. It was a large statue of Jesus, and under the statue were the words, Come unto me. And they worked and worked on the statue, but they had particular difficulty repairing the hands of the statue. And finally, after they could no longer find a way to repair the hands, they simply placed a sign at the bottom of the statue that said this, Christ has no hands but ours. And do you realize today that this church is to be the hands of Jesus? See, I, it doesn't matter what your opinion is if you're not serving in the body. Yesterday, 77 widows were visited by members of this church. Hundreds of fatherless children were visited by members of this church being the hands of Christ, being the voice of Christ. 
And when there is disunity, the voice begins to blur, and there's so many mixed messages that the message isn't getting out the way that it should. You see, the wonder of believers is the fact that we're a part of a body, and when we can sing to the Lord in doctrinal unity, then the message is heard by a lost and dying world. There's no question what we're trying to say. The message is clear. The warning to believers, watch out for pride. The wonder of believers, that when we sing together, we can make a great message known for Jesus. But notice finally the work of the believers. What is the work of the believers? Verse 6 says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with all simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now, every one of us are given gifts, not for ourselves, but so that we might encourage one another and help one another. And I want to take a quick side minute and just speak about spiritual gifts, and then I'll tell you about some of those specific gifts, because we sometimes hear about gifts and spiritual gifts. So let me say there are two categories in the Bible. First of all, there are what we call temporary sign gifts. The gifts that were called temporary sign gifts were given while the Bible was still being written. They were given to enhance the apostolic era and the message so that unbelieving Jews, for example, who questioned the gospel were able to hear maybe the message in their own language or see someone uh, being bitten by a snake like the apostle Paul was. Or in some cases, I've even read in the book of Mark where they drank deadly poison. And by the way, I always get tickled with people who want to talk about the gift of tongues, but no one says, I'll drink the poison. I'll handle the snake. How many of you are like me? I ain't handling the snakes or drinking poison this morning, all right? So were those things in the Bible? Yes. Were they intended to be permanent in the church? No. And let me show you why I say that. First of all, it was for the apostolic age, 2 Corinthians 12, 12. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. The signs of an apostle. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. So it was during this apostolic age that these things were taking place and it was done for a sign to the lost. 1 Corinthians 14 22, wherefore tongues are for a sign not to them that believe but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not but for them which believe. And then it was done for the Jewish people. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1 22, for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. So these are called sign gifts. And you'll find that they are not even mentioned in the latter epistles such as First and Second Thessalonians and so forth. They were temporary sign gifts. And the Bible clearly says in First, first Corinthians chapter 13, whether there be tongues, they shall cease. When that which is uh, done in part is done, done away, rather, that which is uh, the, the, when the word of God is fulfilled, that will be done away. So they are referred to as temporary sign gifts. But then we come to a passage like this. And God is showing us the permanent edifying gifts. And God is showing us here that these gifts are a grace that is given unto us. And again, if they are gifts, then we should not boast in what we can do. If God enables you to do some of these things, it's for his glory. It's not for our glory. And so I want you to see this, how these gifts work, how this works in the church. First of all, there should be a work of gracious service in the church. 
All of us should say, how can I do a work of gracious service in the church? How can I use my gifts and abilities to help other people? And in your notes, I've listed some of these quickly. First of all, there are gifts that are used for educating people. And you see that. The Bible tells us here in verse number six that there is the gift of prophecy. This, spoke, this focuses on discernment. This focuses on telling forth, uh, preaching the Word of God, the gift of prophecy, knowing right from wrong. Uh, there is secondly the gift of teaching. And thank the Lord for those in our church who discover that gift and who get involved uh, teaching and, uh, and, and, and getting involved teaching in the church. And by the way, be very careful of people that want to say, well, uh, you know, let's just do our own set of teaching or preaching outside of the context of your local body. Be very careful about those that are not a part of a church wanting to act so spiritual. God says, I gave these gifts for my church. That's his plan. And, and if someone is a good teacher and they understand the doctrine, then let them get involved in teaching. And by the way, not every teacher is exactly the same. We have 55 adult Bible classes, and they all are a little bit different in the way that they teach. I heard about a little boy named Johnny. He was in the first grade, and he loved his teacher, Mrs. Smith. And Mrs. Smith always gave great stories. And at the end of every story, she always said, now the moral of the story is this. And then she'd tell them the moral. And then the next week, and she'd say, now the moral of the story is this. Well, Johnny was promoted to the second grade, and he went to Mrs. Jones' class, and, and she would often tell stories as well. She would tell the stories from the Bible, but she never ended them by giving the moral of the story. And so one day, Johnny's mom said, how's the second grade, Johnny? He said, oh, Mrs. Jones is wonderful, but she has no morals. <laughs> now... Teachers kind of conclude things differently. Preachers may sound differently. They may come at a text a little bit differently. But the point is this, that it is the rightly dividing of the Word of God. And make no mistake that I am very interested in everything that is taught in the Sunday schools of this church. In every book that is disseminated amongst this body, I'm responsible for that. I approve of every speaker who comes here to speak and every missionary that we support. Why is that? Because I want the body to function in doctrinal unity, and I'll always be very concerned about that because as an under-shepherd, that is my responsibility in the local church that we are a church that is marching together in doctrinal unity. Notice the next word. It says exhorting. This is a person that is sort of a natural encourager. They just know how to say the right thing at the right time. All of this under the thought of educating. Then notice, secondly, there are gifts for edifying. We see the word here, ministering. Uh, the Bible speaks about ministering in verse number 7. And that speaks about uh, just simply helping uh, and, and serving with a servant's heart. What a blessing these last two weeks to go to the rest homes and the, the homes of our widows over 150 times, just seeing our church minister to people. And then there's this gift of giving the Bible mentions. And God blesses some with the ability in a wonderful way to super abundantly give. Every person should give. The Bible teaches that upon the first day of the week. Let every one of you lay by him in store. And the fact of the matter is that tithing is the Lord's, and God wants everyone to give, but God will bless some with the ability to give. He'll encourage that, and they'll find great joy in it. Everybody I've ever known who has the gift of giving, they love to give. I mean, it's just really a blast for them to be able to give, and that is indicative of the fact that they have the gift of giving. And the Bible says, he that has the gift of giving, let him do it with simplicity. 
And then there's this gift of ruling. Did you see that one? The Bible speaks of it there uh, in, in this passage as well. Uh, he that ruleth with diligence. Ruling or administration. This is the ability to dig down and see details. This is the ability to make a mid-course of judgment. This, uh, judgment. this is the uh, ability to strategically plan. And, and that is needed in the church. And God gifts people with that. And then there's the gift of mercy. Quick to forgive and show mercy. And you see, if everyone was a mercy shower, uh, then there would be an imbalance. If everyone had the gift of ruling, there would be an imbalance. But altogether in the body, it works according to the plan of God. And so we must work uh, according to a gracious heart of service. And then finally, we must work with a gracious spirit. Sometimes people can become cynical or selfish. But look at verse 9. It says, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. God says, I want the work in my church to be done with sincere love. Dissimulation means hypocrisy. He says, I don't want people just acting apart. I want them doing it with love. I want them doing it with a selfless kind of a love. Notice how he says that there in verse 10. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in honor. Say those last words with me, please. Preferring one another, you see. God says, I want you in your marriage to prefer one another. Yeah, well, she wants El Pollo Loco, and I want McDonald's. Dude, go to El Pollo Loco. It's not worth it. I see couples that argue with each other, and it's just a pattern, and I just feel so bad because I think to myself, there's just not enough time in life to do that. The Bible says we can prefer one another in the church and, and look for ways to encourage each other. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in each, the Bible says, let us have lowliness of mind, esteeming the other more than ourselves. And God says, I want to warn you, if it's all about you, it's not going to work. Because that's not how one another works. And I want you to know, there's a wonderful plan. It's called the body. And, and when the body functions well and when it's healthy and when, when the malignant cells are removed, God says, revival can come because I have a wonderful design if you follow that design. And when we heed the warning and we get the wonderful picture in our mind, then we can begin to do the work with our gifts. And I'm going to tell you something. When a church is working according to their giftedness in a spirit of unity, it doesn't matter the size of the church. The impact can be worldwide. That's how good God's plan is. And your family can be a family that functions and brings honor and glory to God. But we've got to follow his wonderful plan if that's going to happen. And I want to challenge you as we begin this series to pray, Lord, let my life be a part of the functioning plan that you have so that you might receive honor and glory. If you don't know that you're a part of the body and you don't know that Jesus is the head of your life and you don't really understand what it means to, to follow Christ and to, to truly have Jesus in your heart and to know that you have a home in heaven, then in a moment we're going to stand and, and we're going to sing. And when we do that, I want to encourage you that you can come today and we'll show you from the Bible how you can know Christ as your personal Savior. And then I want to say this. If you're here in this church and you're saved, you might even have an inkling of some of your gifts and for some reason you just haven't been as involved, then this is the time to say, Lord, I don't want to just be a member of a church. I want to be a functioning member of a body. I want you to use my life.
You've been listening to Daily in the Word with Dr. Paul Chappell, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. If you're interested in watching Pastor Chappell preach live during a Lancaster Baptist Church service, you can now log on to lbclive.tv Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. Visit lancasterbaptist.org for a list of times and other services. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Dr. Chappell serves as a pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church, and he is the author of many books. But most of all, he has a passion and love for you. If you've been helped through Dr. Chappell's ministry, he'd love to hear your story. Visit us on our website today, where you can listen to today's entire message, become a partner in the Word, and sign up for Pastor Chappell's Daily in the Word email devotional. Visit us at paulchappell.com. And thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to discover God's answers for today's challenges here on Daily in the Word.